Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. You know, Kansas City felt extra sparkly this year because of the whole Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey relationship. It's like she has uh, magic dust over the whole city. Exactly. (laughs) Violet actually wants to go to a Chiefs game, which, I mean, you know that's just, really, she's just hoping Taylor Swift will be there. Oh, I love it. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of LA. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career in friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we are talking about one of Liz's favorite things, reality TV. Yes, we will be talking to nonfiction TV showrunner Rebecca Graham Ford about the ins and outs of reality TV. I cannot wait. You know, my first question, Sarah, is going to be how scripted nonfiction shows really are. Or maybe not my first question, but I will get it in there. Absolutely. And then Rebecca is going to answer a listener question about how to create a nonfiction show. And we have a very practical Hollywood hack, and I have a reality recommendation. Okay, so we are ready to dive into From the Treadmill Deaths Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches, and this week it's reality TV. We are so excited today to talk to nonfiction showrunner Rebecca Graham Ford. Rebecca has written and produced hundreds of hours of TV for Roku, Netflix, Discovery Channel, Motor Trend, OWN, CBS, A&E, The History Channel, among others. Some of her favorite projects include Kings of Barbecue with Cedric the Entertainer and Anthony Anderson, Kevin Hart's Muscle Car Crew, Fast and Loud, The Universe, and The Ultimate Guide to Presidents. Her work has taken her around the world from the top of the highest skyscrapers with ironworkers to dangling off container ships with longshoremen. She's an active Producers Guild of America member, having once served as vice president and most recently co-chair of the Education Committee. 
Rebecca, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to be here with you guys after our retreat. Yes. To see you again. You too. You to see too. you virtually on our screens at least. Exactly. It's so rare these days for me to meet someone in person and then see them on my computer screen. I feel like it's the other way around. Yes. I know. So. I know. Being in person at the retreat was really, it was so fun. It was just nice to be around people again, the whole yes. thing. You know what I mean? That's yes. probably part of why it felt so magical was because it was actually an in-person event. I agree. Rebecca, we're very excited to talk to you because you are a essentially what we are, but in nonfiction TV. You're a nonfiction showrunner. So how did you get your start? I started long ago in Boston, actually, where I was working for a full-service production company. And back in the day, you would get hired to do all the things. So Mm. we'd have to develop the concept. We'd do the budgets. We'd go out and shoot. Then we'd edit. And so I didn't realize it at the time, but I was getting an education about the entire business, which, of course, as we know later, becomes really important for this job because you're in charge of everything. So back in the day all of the channels started exploding, like Discovery Channel and History Channel. And and I got a chance to start to work in that world. So I was a field producer for a long time. Mm. And I'd go out into the world and shoot interviews or uh, locations or or whatever it was going to be and come back and then be a part of the editorial process. So I really, you know, I started in the commercials, you know, for Fidelity and Chevy and all these other things. And then I kind of translated into this nonfiction space And eventually came out to Los Angeles, which is, you know, of course, the mothership for all of us in terms of entertainment, and have been able to just continue to work my way up into, transitioned over into story. So I was a story producer, then a supervising producer, and then finally a co-EP and then a showrunner. So, you know, like the normal, just the the normal path. Climbing the hierarchy. Climbing the hierarchy, yeah. The mountain. So this is perfect for our next question, Rebecca. As we mentioned, we met you at the retreat that we did at the Johnny Cash Ranch, and um, we grilled you there (laughs) because I am fascinated with reality TV, and I didn't know until talking to you that there's a writer's room in reality television. So tell us, what does a writer's room look like? How does it work? It sounds quite similar to ours as drama writers. Yeah, you know, we're non-union, so it's all producers. That's Everybody is a producer on a nonfiction show unless you are a union show. So Mm. our room consists of associate producers who are going out and pulling the research. We have uh, segment producers who are organizing locations, finding key people, kind of seeing the how a segment might go together. We have the supervising who are kind of stitching together all of the story points, getting it up on the board. And then, of course, the co-EP and the showrunner are looking at the master flow of show. So for you guys, you break them into acts. We do the same thing. We tend to kind of watch over a season how something will progress, especially in docu-follow. That's where somebody is, you know, you're following a certain uh, group of people or an individual who's transitioning through uh, some phase in their life. Uh, No episode is the same. You know, you're building on story. Or maybe it's a format where everything closes down at the end of the hour, which is probably in your world a procedural. Mm -hmm, You know, you have the same characters, but it's a different storyline, things like that. So depending on what format we're working on, we are finding our characters, we're 
deciding where things should happen, what should happen, if it's something building towards a race or a competition or whatever it's going to be. So yeah, there are a lot of similarities because I think there's a perception in nonfiction that we just go out and we just kind of shoot and we just kind of see what happens. And you guys know, and people who are in production know, you can't just show up with 50 people and (laughs) think that a restaurant's going to be like, of course, just come in or walk down the street. I mean, you know, there's a lot of planning and prep that goes into these things. Um, And what I like to say is that we prepare for the, the creative, but we leave room for some magic because we are dealing with real people. We are dealing with real situations. And it's only until you get out there that you really start to see where a conversation might go, an action might go, whatever it's going to be. So, And you're watching and writing your notes and and saying, hey, we thought that they were going to take it this direction, but guess what, everybody? We just went that direction. So scramble back at the home base and let's figure out how we're going to make this storyline continue to work. Yeah, it's it's a lot of dancing on your feet, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but it's really fun to see something come together as well. And you know, you, we have the same thing. We have a director of photography. We have a director. Sometimes, sometimes they're called supervising producers who are uh, capable of producing talent and you know pushing people towards certain things. Your favorite, Liz, like mm-hmm. you know. Real Housewives, Yes, they'll go out and have some crazy interaction at a gala or, you know, a lobster hut or whatever whatever the ladies are up to. (laughs) Yes. And then they'll come back (laughs) and Post will structure questions to enhance the scene. So, you know, oh, this is what I was thinking when I saw that or or gives you a second layer of all the emotions that we might have seen and seen or gives us some clarity, you know. So they do interviews. Right. Yeah, to what confessionals yeah. where they're asking so that, yes, so the list, the viewer can really have insight into what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. So. But it, everything fun. is real. It's not scripted. Liz, you sound very invested in that question. (laughs) (laughs) You know my love. You know my love. I think, yeah, there's there's some shows that are more scripted than others in the sense of giving direction of where something has to go. Like if you watch a competition show, you see those perfectly polished openings. Obviously, somebody has given them those words. A competition show, a game show, all these things are kind of in my world. But then, you know, you get into more of these heartfelt shows or a situation where you're seeing a a discussion go down and they aren't scripted per se. We might know what's about to be talked about or what the hot button topic is, but you have no idea what's about to come out of their mouths. And that's part of the tricking casting because mm, you always want yes you always want somebody who's going to really deliver something really important juicy meaningful what whatever the tone of the show is it really starts in my world in the casting because you are dealing with real people you know you're finding these folks plucking them out of the universe for some reason in the world they might have incredible charisma they might be an expert in a certain field but just hasn't gotten the exposure we might be modeling a world that is uh something that's aspirational 
Who knows? Who knows? Well, and of course, casting for us is equally important. If you don't yeah. want to watch those people on the screen, it doesn't matter how good the story is or what's being said. Nobody wants to watch. Exactly. It's interesting because our jobs are so similar, but it feels like in the nonfiction space, you're actually working much more closely with the talent, not actors, but with the real people. Like, it seems like you really have to be like right in there in the mix with them. One of the most important people on a nonfiction set is the person who's dealing directly with talent. Sometimes that's a supervising producer. Sometimes that's our field producers. It could be even be the showrunner who's out there on a daily basis, not only making sure that we're delivering what we've promised to the network, which is really the ultimate job, but also making sure that the talent either feels supported or connected to the story or is engaged in the story so that they continue to feed whatever bigger picture you're trying to achieve. Sometimes that gets a little spicy because mm-hmm. you're trying to get their talent to a place or pushing them to do an interesting interview where maybe they don't want to talk about something or they don't want to revisit something that has already happened on set. But it's a really, really important job because you have to have the trust of your cast because it's already hard enough to get a day finished, as you guys know. Yes. (laughs) And once you get into the world where the talent isn't happy, that starts to turn into a different thing. And like you guys, we shoot all season. You might be shooting 24 days, 30 days, 80 days, who knows? And if on day one, you've already gotten off on the wrong foot, it might be a really, really long season. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sarah, I'm thinking of a particular actor who um, <laughs> didn't enjoy us. This is where that, volunteers, not recruits came from. And oh, that made yes. a very tough shoot. Yeah. yeah. Rebecca, we're going to um, come back and have a listener question for you related to nonfiction TV. But first, I really want you to tell us about one of your most recent shows, which is called Kings of Barbecue with Cedric the Entertainer and Anthony Anderson because it sounds so fun. Yes, this was such a great project. Cedric the Entertainer and Anthony Anderson have started a barbecue brand and we were there for day one of mm. this. My network guy used to like to say is like, what What would it be like to be at the day one of a billion dollar brand? Now, whether or not those guys achieve that kind of level of success, I don't know. But we were there from the very beginning. You know, they decided they wanted to work together. They wanted to get into business together. And this was a really interesting space for them both to get out into the world and create product. And they have rubs. They have sauces. They will be getting into other things in the future. And so for my job was, how do we follow this brand authentically? but also get the magic of a Cedric and an Anthony who had never been put in this space together and have all that charm and charisma light up the stage. So we had a very short and compressed timeline to get this on the air. So we started following them in terms of how do you develop a brand? How do you develop the taste of your brand? Who are the people you work with for your brand? Who are the experts in the field that you start to talk to? So we got some of these giants like Damon John and uh, Mike Meldman, who was uh, Discovery Land Company, but also the third partner in George Clooney and Randy Gerber's mm. Casamigos. 
And then we got to take the guys out into the world because they always needed to be students of the business, in my opinion. Let's go taste authentic barbecue. Let's let's get around the country. Let's start meeting the people who are really doing this interesting sauces and spices and all this beautiful stuff. And we got to focus on some legends in barbecue in Kansas City and Memphis Mm -hmm. and all these other interesting places where we could also start to present, hey, this is where authentic barbecue came from. And that was another important narrative for us because, of course— Well, it's good that you went to Kansas City then, I just have to say. (laughs) Very important. (laughs) Yeah. And where can people see this? It was on A&E, and so it's already aired. That's how compressed this year has been for me. And they have not announced where it might have a second window yet. So I will keep you posted. All right. And we will let everyone know. Okay. And Rebecca, you are starting a podcast. Yes. What is it? So the podcast, so again, to the point that this business is shifting and changing, and I think podcasting is really interesting, another form of narrative. My business partner and I realized that there's a lot of people out in this world that are having DNA discovery through uh, Ancestry.com yes. or 23andMe, and suddenly they're realizing they have a whole family they didn't know about. They have a father they never knew about. There's a lot of family secrets that are coming out, but yet there's no support system for anybody to have discovered Mm -hmm. this. And so Judy Ben Asher is a practitioner in this space, and she has for a long time helped people heal themselves through this trauma. She calls it identity-level trauma and has a whole program that she helps people walk through. And so we are starting a podcast so that we can reach more people who might be experiencing this, who are in that ground zero moment, 24 hours in, two years in, whatever it might be, and talking with not only people and hearing their stories, but also talking to experts so that you can get some context about how you might be able to get through these moments. Because we feel like you don't have to be alone. And a lot of people have been left alone in this in this trauma. So... It's our new venture that we're going to be launching in 2024. That's yes. exciting. We know a lot of people who yes, have we had this experience. 50 million oh. people so far, if not more, have wow. had some sort of surprise. Wow. And the podcast is called Unraveled After DNA Discovery. We'll definitely be listening in February. Yay. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> we need the listeners. <laughs> All right, coming up, Rebecca is going to answer a listener question about how to create a reality show, but first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Okay, we are back with Rebecca, and we have a listener question from Gemma. When we got this question, we thought, well, we are not qualified to answer this, but Rebecca is. So here is the question. Hi, Liz and Sarah. This is Gemma messaging you from Brooklyn, New York. I started listening to your podcast a few months ago from the beginning, and I listen to it every morning as I get ready for my day, and it helps put me in a really positive mindset. So thank you so much. My question today is about a non-scripted TV pitch. I love hearing all of your words of wisdom about the industry, and I'm curious what you think about this. So I'm in my late 30s, and by day, I'm a manager and spokesperson for a national nonprofit animal welfare organization. And I go on camera a lot with kittens, promoting our work. By night, I perform burlesque. I also produce variety shows. And I'm a voiceover actor and on-camera commercial actor as well. I have an agent, but I'm not booking big work. And I want to create my own. So I created a non-scripted series concept, and I shot a sizzle reel, where I help New York City cats and their humans overcome unique challenges to live their best lives. And I recruited a team of experts, such as a pet psychic, veterinarian, behaviorist, and I'm hosting and blending my burlesque performer uh, persona into it so that I make myself really valuable to this concept. Um, leaning into a little burlesque vibes and helping people who love cats. That's what I'm passionate about. And so I need your advice. What else can I do once I have my sizzle reel? What advice do you have for the non-scripted industry? I have a plan to uh, pitch the sizzle to production companies who have produced similar non-scripted type programs. I also have a list of people in the industry whose emails I've collected from LinkedIn to email as well. I have my sizzle. I have my pitch deck. I think it's different and interesting, but I'm you know, I'm in my late 30s and I want to make something happen. And I'm open to any advice that you have um, as I get anxious when I hear how people get started in their 20s. <laughs> well, first of all, Gemma, any age is appropriate for nonfiction. So I wouldn't worry about your age. I would just say, get out there and start doing it. And I love that you're already doing videos for yourself and using, I hope you're using TikTok and Instagram and YouTube because quite often a lot of people in nonfiction are discovered that way. And it's always great to hone your own concept that way. 
I would say for your show, I want you to work on your actual pitch because when I hear it, there's so many different elements that I'm interested in. I'm interested in your burlesque work. I'm curious how it relates to the cats. I'm curious how your friends are going to come in. So just an example is maybe you can really hone it into in the heart of New York City, a burlesque dancer is working with all of her eclectic friends to help her special furry friends find their best homes. Ooh, I, I don't like know that. that. I'm breaking yeah. in here, but that sounds good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? And then you can have a lot of fun with all of these pet psychics and all the other interesting characters you've found. But really, at the heart of it, you've got to define what your heart is about the show. And that, to me, sounds like you want to help your furry friends find their special homes. So I would just work on that a little bit more make sure your sizzle is really focused on whatever story you're trying to tell. Because the one thing about nonfiction is you really want to make sure you're very confident in your concept and what your angle of your pitch is. Because if you start to shop it, it might start to morph into different things as other people hear it. And then you could be really unhappy with the results. So if you go in confident and know exactly the kind of story you want to tell, and then as it expands, you continue to feel confident with the partners you find, then you will find great success. So I really hope to see this show someday. And Rebecca, I want to go back to what you said about YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. Like that's a perfect place to kind of hone exactly what the show looks like and feels like, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many opportunities to get yourself out there. You can look professional. You can sound professional. iPhones shoot 4K now. There's no reason in the world that any talent cannot be on uh, one of these platforms shooting their own concept and really doing a great job. Because what people in nonfiction want, number one, is someone with a purpose and someone with charisma. And if you have those two things and you start getting yourself out there, it actually puts you in a better position to start to negotiate whatever might happen next versus someone, an unknown who comes in and then you're really at the mercy of a production company giving you your deal and things like that. So get your followers, get get all the support you can so that you walk in and say, hey, listen, people are loving what I'm doing. Look at, I have 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 viewers. You really should be paying attention to me and launching it into the next thing. And I will also say one other thing that people don't realize, it feels like the dream sometimes for this kind of stuff is always a TV show, but sometimes there's more freedom to create your own thing in a different format and you're not answering to anybody. And you might also be making a lot of money if you create a serious following that might really bring you success in a whole different way that you hadn't even imagined. And what about production value? Like, should Gemma take some time or take some kind of course to really understand shooting and editing and that kind of thing if she's going to do it herself? I think so. I think that, again, there's so many resources now. Like, I didn't have any of these resources when I started. I'm sure you guys didn't either. Like, all the screenwriting courses and all. Like, there's just so much online now (laughs) that I really... And there's also great models of people who are doing it really well. So I don't think there is an excuse anymore Mm -hmm. if you really want this that you shouldn't be able to have great lighting and sound and and stories that, that really build 
to something. Like everybody, I think younger already knows inherently what a three act structure is. Like you right. just you, you just inherently feel it because yeah. we've all been raised on TV and film that have really cemented this concept. So I I would say, you know, 10 minutes and less might be really interesting or build a docu follow over multiple 10 minute episodes. I mean the the world is really your oyster in that in that genre because there's so many different ways to tackle it. 3 minute video on TikTok or 2 minute whatever the rule is. Instagram photos. I mean, you could attack it from all friends and really find yourself in a really great space because the one thing everyone loves is a happy story about yes. a little kitten or a senior cat. Let's not forget them. Yes, um, absolutely. Finding their forever home. Well, with a little burlesque thrown in. With, yes. with the burlesque, which I'm so <laughs> curious about. Like, yes. what is the, do the cats play a role in the burlesque? I don't know. <laughs> yes, we need to know more. Yeah. Rebecca, that is great advice. Thank you. And thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll call upon you again to consult with us on nonfiction television. And in the meantime, everybody listen to Rebecca's new podcast debuting in February, Unraveled After DNA Discovery. Thank you so much. So good to see you guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. So good to see you too. Coming up, Liz has a Hollywood hack that will refresh your closet. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, we're back with a Hollywood hack. This week, my hack is look in your closet and remind yourself what is there. I did this the other day. I had been going around thinking, gosh, I don't have any shoes to wear. It's winter. I don't have boots that are comfortable that I can wear. I was stressing about not just wanting to wear sneakers, but I didn't want to wear sandals because it's winter. And then I just started looking in my closet and like moving aside long things and seeing what was on the floor underneath. And I realized, oh my gosh, I have boots that are perfect for this that I can wear that I completely forgot I owned, got them out. I've already worn them twice. And I realized how often we just actually forget what's in our closet. I could not agree with this more because, you know, I'm turning a closet in my bedroom into a little podcast studio. So I just, this weekend, took everything out of it. So I had the same experience. I've discovered all these pairs of black boots. Apparently, I have like 700 (laughs) pairs of black boots that I had completely (laughs) forgotten about. So yeah, it'll save you some money. It'll make your dressing the next day more exciting. It's amazing. Yes, and I mean, this happened again several weeks ago. I had to go to kind of a fancy party, and I thought, I have nothing to wear. What could I possibly wear? And I started just going through my closet, and I found this gorgeous suit that I completely forgot I had. (laughs) And I put it on, I wore it, I felt great. So sometimes you don't need to go shopping, you just need to look in your closet It's sort of adjacent to shop your closet. This is just literally reminding yourself what you own. (laughs) And then, Liz, you have a recommendation this week as well. Yes. In keeping with our reality theme here, I wanted to recommend a reality show. Credit to our friend Nichelle on this one because she got me to watch it, and I'm absolutely loving it. Paris in Love on Peacock. It's about Paris Hilton 
season two in particular is fantastic. You don't need to really see season one, although you can watch season one and then two, obviously. But if you are interested in family dynamics, particularly mother-daughter relationships, this is the show for you. It's a different side of Paris Hilton. I've never been like a Paris Hilton follower, but I love this show. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to Rebecca Graham Ford for joining us today. Listen to her new podcast, Unraveled After DNA Discovery. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin and Side Hustle School. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram and threads at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, I want Rebecca to have a reality retreat, and I want to go and learn about reality TV. Oh, my gosh. I'm there. I am endlessly fascinated. At the Johnny Cash Ranch, of course. Yes. (laughs) That would be ideal. From the Onward Project.